This morning, I ask you to consider a look that counts. We live in a time when, for many, looks count. And good looks really count. Think back to when you were a teenager. And I suspect you'll remember that looks were very important. But it's not just youth. So much of society buys into the notion that looks are very important. Look at what we as Americans spend on cosmetics and clothing alone. It's staggering. I went online yesterday just to see what it would cost if you wanted to, you were a couple wanting to have a beautiful young child. It would cost anywhere from 50 to well over $100,000 for one egg of a model or someone with good looks so that you could have a good-looking child. But this is, isn't just looks. It's, it's really the total image that seems to be so important. How often in business, in advertising, and yes, politics, have you heard this phrase, image is everything. Image is everything. It doesn't matter what you're really like. What matters is what the public thinks you're like. If you don't think most politicians play that game, well, (laughs) I could go on and on about the importance of projecting a good image in corporate America, in politics, and at practically every level of our society. But I want to bring it closer to home and look at how it plays out in our lives. You see, we sort of buy into it all that, I mean, it, it just seeps in almost unconsciously because we're, we're bombarded by it, by television, whenever you go online, whenever you look at any kind of media, and look at the plethora of catalogs that invade our home every month. And without realizing it almost, a lot of what we do to present ourselves to the world is based on what we think other people think about us. For many of us, that means constantly trying to put our best foot forward, never mind that it's the other foot that needs attention. So, it's amazing the amount of energy, effort, and expense some people go to just to keep up a good image. And in our professional life, image counts as well. But if I think the meaning of my life is to be found in the relationship of my role as a minister to whatever your role is, or of my role to the church then at some point I discover that is not an adequate basis for living. To try to live up to the expectations of a role is not necessarily the adequate basis for living. Roles carry certain expectations and have certain 
images associated with them. Many, many of you have expectations of what you think a minister is supposed to be. And I've never been able to live up to all those. And finally it hit me, I ought to stop trying. That may be disappointing too. (laughs) Not only do we try to set forth our best image of ourselves that we can, we also have an image of others, which may or may not be accurate to who they really are. Keeping up images and playing roles can be very exhausting. See, we each have three basic images. That which we show, the image we project, that which we think we have, and that which we really are. Listen to verses 7 and 8 of our Proverbs passage again that Grace read for us. Some, some pretend to be rich yet have nothing, and others pretend to be poor even though they have great wealth. Wealth is a ransom for a person's life, but the poor get no threats. Haven't you known people who don't have very much but they try to make it seem as though they're pretty rich. And haven't you known some very wealthy people who spend an inordinate amount of time trying to convince you that they really don't have all that much? The writer of Proverbs says, wealth is a ransom for a person's life. The pursuit of great wealth and the presentation of an image inconsistent with the true you simply ain't life. Am I saying that wanting to look your best at times is wrong? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. But keeping up appearances to project your reputa- to protect your reputation or keeping up an image for fear of what people might think about you if they really knew who you are, is both exhausting and false. In a non-poetic moment, that enigmatic poet E.E. Cummings once wrote, to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you like everybody else means to fight the hardest battle any human being can fight And never stop fighting. And this brings us to the challenge of living the verses of Scripture. For in our winter sermon series, we are looking to the verses of Scripture to help us live out the verses, the tensions, the presses, and pulls of life. In previous weeks, we have explored responding versus rationalizing. Vibrancy versus vitality. Enthusiasm versus entertainment. And today we're looking at identity versus image. 
I think it was Matthew Arnold who wrote, Beneath the stream, shallow and light, of what we say we are, beneath the stream, as light, of what we think we are, there flows with noiseless current, obscure and deep, the central stream of what we are indeed. Identity. Who are we? All right, time's up, announced the professor. And with that, 125 students folded their exam books and came forward and put them on the desk, all except one student who continued to write furiously. When, when the classroom had finally cleared and the professor was stacking all the exams on the desk, the final young man ran forward and came to the desk and the professor said, I'm sorry, you won't be able to turn in your exam. You're going to fail because you've written 10 minutes past all the other students and what they did. And the young, the young man stood up as tall as he could and he said, Sir, do you know who I am? And non-pulsed, the professor said, No, no, I don't. He said, Good. And he took his exam and he slipped it in the middle of the pile and he ran out. Now, unlike that professor, God knows who I am, and God knows who you are, too. God knows who we are. So let's turn now to our second lesson from Mark's Gospel that Joe read. As he was setting out on a journey... A man came up to Jesus and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, and I won't read them, but you, you know all ten, right? And the man said, Teacher, I've kept all these since I, was, since I was a kid. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell what you have and give all your money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when he heard it, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? I'd never seen it before myself quite this way until preparing for the sermon. A look that counts. We've been talking about looks, you know, and appearances. Did you catch the look that really counts? It's right there in verse 21. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Jesus, looking at the man, loved him. Friends, that's a look that counts. Has the Lord looked at you and loved you? He stands ready to do that all the time. You see, the world knows our name. The world knows our pedigree, our social security number, our insurance coverage. The world knows our driving record, our education, credit rating, our jobs, and our roles. The Lord knows our hearts. 
our deepest yearnings, our fears, our hopes, and our pain. The Lord knows our need from the inside out and seeks to draw us to himself. The beauty is, we are known for all time and we are loved for all time. Let the Lord look at you now and truly love you. The poor man in our story just couldn't let the love soak in. For after Jesus looked at him and and loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go and divest yourself of all that money you spent so much time worrying about, fussing about, and trying to accumulate and give it away to some folks who are in need of food and clothing. And then you'll be rich. And then come. Come and follow me. When the poor, I mean the rich guy, heard this, he was shocked. And he went away sad. Because he had many possessions. And presumably he wasn't about to give them up. Or the image they gave him of being well off. Jesus and the writer of Proverbs knew the dangers of wealth and keeping up false appearances, to which we are no less blind to than the man in the story. And Jesus knew the importance of an identity simply and profoundly rooted, rooted in the deep love of God. And we struggle. We really, if we're honest, we struggle with image Versus identity. Identity. And I want to encourage you to think back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 21. Because remember, we are created in the image of God. We are created in this incredible image of God. The image we should be concerned about is not the one we project and try to put forward to convince the world that that's who we really are. But God's image, which is the deepest and truest sense that then gives us our identity. The brilliant writer James Baldwin wrote in a letter to his nephew that if you know where you came from, then there's no limit to where you can go. I would adapt that slightly to say, if you know who you come from, there's no limit to who you can be. Not model eggs. Not the eggs of some beautiful, glamorous person. Which are expensive. But God's seed which is priceless. Living the verses of Scripture begins when you hold up in your mind's eye an image 
of who God really wants you to be. It was William James, the philosopher, who said, lives based on having are less free than lives based on being. Which is to say, a life based on having lots of money and having an image is less free than a life based on being what God has truly created you to be. When you stand at the end of your life and you look back at your time here on earth, do you want to see the person you tried to put forth in the best way possible but weren't? Or do you want to be the true person you were created to be? I hope it will be the latter. A look that counts. Jesus looked at the man and loved him. And loved him. A clergy friend of mine named Ron Patterson, a great guy, he shared this story with me, and, and I want to share it now to see if you can catch the power of it. He wrote this from his early days of training in going into the ministry. He said, one day, many years ago, as part of my training, I worked at a Boston City hospital as a chaplain's assistant, and I was assigned to the prison ward. And one of the prisoners there was a big-time drug dealer. It was my duty to visit him because he was very ill. Well, with the half-hearted pseudo-compassion of the typical do-gooder, I did my duty. Later, I confessed to the, the Roman Catholic nun who was my supervisor. I said, how can I go and pray with this man who is ruining the life of this city? He deserves his illness and a whole lot more. Do you know what she said to me? She said, Patterson, who died and elected you to be God? Somewhere deep within that man, covered by the layers of pain and denial and every rotten thing he's ever done, there is a kernel of God's image. You, your only job is to see that spark. And the only way you can ever see it is to forget everything else about whatever anyone else has told you about right and wrong and believe with your whole heart that that spark is there, he too, just as much as anyone you will ever meet, is a child of God's love. Image versus identity. Let the Lord look at you this morning and love you with a look that counts. And and truly soak that in so that you can know you are created in the greatest, in the image of the greatest love of all. Be willing to give up those things which have prevented you from following completely. And on those days when you think you have a pretty good image of someone else who isn't all that great, imagine God calling out your name as I imagine God calling out my name. Young, who died and elected you to be God? 
Somewhere deep in that person is a kernel of my divine image. And I'd appreciate it if you give that person a look that counts. A look of love. Friends, our faith has always been and always will be about receiving and giving. The Lord looks at us and gives us a look that counts. Because our identity is rooted in God. And we, in turn, can look at all others, all others, and love them, not because it's easy, but because they are God's child too. They are loved by God just as much as you and me. Receiving and giving. A look that counts. Love. Love. Amen.